This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Live. From the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez. America's favorite late night talk program. Featuring interesting guests from around the world. And calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media, your liberty-loving Latino amigo. Happy to be here with you. Let me give you the phone number if you want to join our late-night national town hall conversation. You're welcome to do so, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. So they've unsealed the uh, indictment against Trump, and as we've speculated thus far, it's pretty much uh, more of the same Trump is a bad guy because he took documents as the president and then kept them beyond his presidency in Mar-a-Lago. They weren't uh, satisfactorily locked up, so he changed the locks. It was in negotiations with the FBI throughout, and they still decided to raid his home and do this and that. And I just, you know, I'm, I'm not going to stay on Trump all night, but I, I just want to say, you know, somebody asked me on social media today, you know, when will you realize that Trump is an a-hole and that he stole money from contractors and threw paper towels at hurricane survivors and blah, 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 blah. And I thought, man, por favor, deja de llorar tanto, right? You know, just stop lying so much and crying so much because it sounds like they're whining. And, you know, again, whether you like the way he rolls or not, his, his mannerisms to me are really irrelevant. Uh, there's a lot of things I didn't like about a lot of people, but people that are effective, you got to respect them where, you know, respect is uh, due. You give that respect if they've been effective at something. Kudos to them. And it just it never ceases to amaze me that nobody asks themselves introspectively when they're criticizing me for appreciating the uh, Trump economy or whatever and what have you. That they don't realize that we can't politicize and weaponize our system of justice just to prevent political opponents from having success. They don't realize that we we just can't live life the way we're living it, right? Because if we do, that we in effect become that which we're not, right? We're not a third world country. We're not a banana republic. We're not, um, I don't know, you name it, Haiti, Cuba, uh, so many of our, our, our neighbors that, that have elections that are already predetermined where Anybody with uh, the right amount of money can become president where the people don't really have a say and everything's kind of predetermined. That's not what America should be. Lamentably, it seems like that's what we're becoming. And, and I just oftentimes, you know, I, I don't like to get into debate with people who 
have their mind made up, right? If you want to have a conversation about something and, you know, discuss the merits of an argument, I'm happy to do that. But why on earth would I, you know, somebody who starts their sentence with, when are you going to realize that Donald Trump is an a-hole? What, what purpose do I have in speaking with them? I'm not going to convince them of anything. I'm not going to change their mind. They clearly don't want to have a conversation. They just are, in effect, asking me, how could you consider yourself um, a, a, someone of average intelligence? How could you consider yourselves a human being? How could you consider yourself a decent person and still support this man? That's really how they see it. And I never look at somebody and go, man, you're a really nice guy. How is it that you support Biden? I don't say that. Because I realize different strokes for different folks. And a buddy of mine, Adam Francisco, he's a Mexican. I met him at a New York Young Republicans event uh, last year. And nice guy. And he, he, he posted a video on social media. This was interesting because he was at a Dunkin' Donuts drive-thru. Now, for those of you who have never seen Dunkin', I think everybody in America has seen Dunkin', but if you haven't, it's a coffee place. sells donuts. And... Or maybe it's a donut place that sells coffee. I don't know. I think most people go there for coffee, though. And he, he gets into this thing where the, the person behind him is being rude to him in the drive-thru. And when he goes to pay the lady, um, he sees them, they're talking. He goes back around to talk to the person that he just paid. And he's like, what happened there? And she said, oh, the car behind you wanted to warn me that the car in front of me, you, were a Trump supporter. As if um, saying, you know, we, we not, don't give them good service or whatever. And uh, and then he went back the next day and got a follow up from her. And I'm not going to play the audio of it because <clears throat> it's kind of long and protracted. But the, the point is, people are still going out of their way when they see a Trump bumper sticker or something in your window of your car. If, if you happen to have something like that on your car um, and and telling people to treat you a different way or suggest to them that you should be treated a different way. And it just it it makes me think, you know, if Trump wasn't effective, nobody would go through any of this effort to begin with. Right. If he was really unelectable, they wouldn't be trying to put him in jail. And as Mark Levin, uh, the great one, aptly pointed out, the the uh, crimes they're charging him with would put him in jail for for the rest of his life, foreseeably, because he's 76 years old. So if they didn't believe that he could win. They would just let him be and ignore him and say, ah, come on, Trump can't win like they did in 2016. But they're afraid of that. They're afraid of allowing Trump to just run in a campaign. And that's why there's all this interference, election interference coming from the Justice Department, election interference coming from arguably the Biden administration. And that's a shame just because you don't like Trump. It doesn't mean that you're allowed to treat him this way or anybody else, because, I mean, what they'll do to Trump now is what they'll do to anybody else later. Ultimately, I think this hurts all Americans because we're setting a precedent for trying to destroy those that we disagree with or that we just simply don't like. And I think that's wrong. Now, on a, on a, on a side, I want to give a big shout out to all of my fellow Americans who are of Puerto Rican descent like I am uh, because this weekend is the National Puerto Rican Day Parade. Now, I, I know a lot of people get angry because Puerto Ricans get this big celebration in, on Fifth Avenue in New York City, and they're not even a state, right? <laughs> you know, it's not like we, there's a Minnesota Day Parade or a New Jersey Day Parade in New York on Fifth Avenue. But yes, uh, National uh, Puerto Rican Day Parade is a, a thing. And of course, that's because so many people have left the island and taken up residence in New York City, and that's how it began. But uh, we're going to 
talk about that briefly a little bit later. It's just always something I did as a kid. My parents always took me growing up in Brooklyn. Uh, we went to Manhattan every year, Fifth Avenue, and it was a great time. It's one of the nicest parades I've been to. And I've been to the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, which is an, another amazing parade. Uh, but the Puerto Rican Day Parade is a really nice one. And uh, later on, um, next segment, Curtis Sliwa, radio host out of New York City, founder of the Guardian Angels, all-around great guy. He's going to join us to tell us a little bit about what's going on uh, with the immigration situation in New York City. And uh, he was actually there when my least favorite congresswoman from the Bronx and Queens um, decided to run away from me when I invited her on my show to debate capitalism and socialism. So he's going to tell us a little bit about that as well. And, you know, Mayor Adams is suggesting that people should live in private homes. Now, not the people that inhabit those homes, not your family, not your friends. No, he's talking about the people that are crossing the border illegally. So the illegal border crossers should now take residence in your home, and he's willing to pay something like five times what the city pays for foster care services. So for a kid, you get, I think, 26 bucks uh, a day for... Um, the um, illegal immigrants, they're giving 120. Unbelievable. Anyway, more on that straight ahead. Give us a call if you want to join us in conversation. 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. You, you pledged uh, during your campaign to uh, keep New York City a sanctuary a city. Are, do you have any concern that that, that policy uh, is, 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 for, is attracting more people to the border, more people to cross the border to make that dangerous no. trip? Uh, no, not at all. Uh, this city has always been a sanctuary city, and we've always managed those who wanted to come to uh, New York City to pursue the American dream. Of course, pursue the American dream uh, illegally, of course. That's Mayor Eric Adams in New York City. And um, while that's going on, while he's continuing to invite people into the city, uh, you've got the continued effort to put Trump in jail for the rest of his life for keeping some boxes and papers in his home. And, uh, and Joe Biden hasn't even been interviewed about what he had in his garage with classified documents. We're going to get to that um, in, in a subsequent seg segment. But... Uh, it's fascinating to me that that was Eric Adams again, May 16th, but yet he's changed his tune, right? Uh, it's no longer uh, really pursuing the American dream. It's this, now it's, we want to put him in your house. Listen to this. It is my vision uh, to take the next step to this, to go to the faith-based uh, locales and then move to a uh, private residence. Uh, there are residents who are suffering right now because of economic challenges. They have spare rooms. Uh, they have locales. And if we can find a way to get over the 30-day rule and other rules that government has in, in its place, we can take that $4.2 billion, $4.3 it may be now, that we potentially have to spend, and we can put it back in the pockets of everyday New Yorkers, everyday houses of worship, instead of putting it in the pockets of corporations. And some of those corporations come from from outside our city. 
So if you're suffering from the economy that Joe Biden has created, then, hey, maybe we can use more money printing, more government spending, put a little bit of money in your pocket, and maybe we can convince you with a little bit of a bribe from elite Eric Adams to say, you know what, let us uh, allow you to put some people that just came across the border, let's put them in your house for a little while. And uh, don't worry, don't worry, we'll figure it out. We'll pay you pretty handsomely for it. Listen, I don't know what's going on. I was in the city um, just yesterday and, um, you know, for, for during the daytime. And uh, things don't look great. Not just yet. Not just yet at all. But I've got our man, Curtis Sliwa, on the line. He's all things New York. He lives on the subway. He knows more than the rats do. Curtis Sliwa, welcome. Oh, my Latino-loving, liberty-loving Latino, Rich Valdez. How could you not have your casa be an illegal alien's casa? Come on, open up the doors. It's like Set Airbnb. Yeah, you could. Who knows? They could be members of MS-13, 18th Street. They could be really bad hombres. Or they could cut your lawn. They could muck out your toilets. They could do the work that average Americans don't want to do any longer. Look at it from the positive side, Rich. Ay, ay, bendito. I don't know if I could do that one, Curtis Lee. I think this is out of control. I mean, I hear Eric Adams thrilled now. You know, uh, three weeks ago, he was crying. We need your help. We need the federal government's intervention. And now that the, the, he's got his hands or he, he thinks he's got his hands on a couple of bucks, now he's ready to spend it and, and uh, do a little income distribution uh, so that people can uh, be appeased. Well, the main thing is here that he calls them asylum seekers. Okay, so you let 70,000 in, you call them asylum seekers. You and I, we call them illegal aliens. But we find out that only three dozen have actually done the paperwork to seek asylum. So when confronted with that, Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, mayor of the illegal aliens, immediately procured even more money from the local budget to go out and get people who knew Spanish as a primary language who could fill out the paperwork for a lot of these folks who really never came here seeking asylum. It was all a ruse. You show up at the border, mostly the Mexican border, or in some instances you get an easy pass, you fly into Toronto or Montreal, and then you come filter south across the border into New York State, And the next place you want to go is New York, because in New York you get everything. You get to stay in a three-star hotel. You get three squares a day. You get your Obama flip phone. You get health care. You get things that an American-born and raised individual doesn't get. And people scratch their heads increasingly, African-Americans, black Americans, who Eric Adams always said he wanted to prioritize. And they say, what happened to us? How come we're on the back of the line again just because we were born in America? Shouldn't we be first in the line to get served if we're poor, if we're impoverished, if we're emotionally disturbed, if we're homeless, if we're veterans seeking care? And clearly this mayor, who prides himself as the new face of the Democratic Party, has said, Oofah to those born in America. We're going to take care of the illegal aliens first and foremost because you got to understand, Rich, this goes back to Tammany Hall over a century ago. These were the Irish Democrats who welcomed the Irish immigrants from the potato famine. They gave them some petty cash. They found them a, a tenement to live in. And they said, always be grateful to the Democratic Party. And to the day they died, 
they not only had their children and children's uh, children vote for the Democrats, but they touted what the Democrats stood for, care for the immigrants, and that the Republicans were the party of the rich and they didn't welcome immigrants. And so Eric Adams is just lifting a page that was very successful over a century ago. Now, Curtis Lewa, for anybody who doesn't know, is the founder of the Guardian Angels, a safety patrol group out of New York City. He's also a radio host extraordinaire in New York City, one of my radio mentors. And Curtis, you, I know you know what's going on here. What's the reception like to this plan? Are people uh, doing backflips and are they thrilled to get uh, Adams's uh, four point two billion dollars uh, in their pockets to house the illegal aliens? Or is there some pushback on the streets? No, no, a thousand times no. Uh, the price is if you take an illegal alien in, you get sixty-five day, sixty-five dollars a day, room and board, uh, and the city will take care of any of the other ancillary needs of that illegal alien. The problem is these illegal aliens have not been vetted; uh, they haven't been given their shots. You don't know who they are, what their background is. They could be murderers, rapists, pedophiles. So, so far, other than the really goody two-shoes who are to the extreme left, who think this is a great thing to do as part of the revolution, nobody's really getting in line, especially the mayor. He's got Gracie Mansion. Uh, many people have suggested, why don't you use Gracie Mansion? You're a single man. You don't have children such a huge place where the mayor resides, take a few illegal aliens in yourself. And immediately he put up a firewall and said, well, I don't know if legally I could do that. Well, Rich, he owns a building, a private building in Bedford-Stuyvesant, not far from where they made the movie, the Spike Lee movie, Do the Right Thing. He's got two empty apartments in that building. Let him set the example. But, of course, it's do as I say, not as I do. No, no, I think he just threw that out there, hoping it would stick on the wall. But I don't see any New York uh, residents going for it, even though it's $65 a day per illegal alien. If you happen to have a church or a house of worship, he'll give you $125 mm-hmm. a day. It's just not worth the risk or the hassle. Yep, and folks, again, we're on with Curtis Sliwa, radio host out of New York City on the, uh, the legendary WABC you can hear him doing tons of radio in the overnight. As soon as we wrap up here, he kicks off his program. And uh, Curtis, of course, is the founder and uh, CEO of the Guardian Angels Safety Patrol Group. We're going to continue with Curtis Lee straight ahead and discuss what's going on with uh, the clubs that you've helped to start, the Ronald Reagan clubs, the um, clubs that are fighting against socialism, in particular the Democrat Socialists of America, who are really permeating uh, the the political scene in Queens, where my least favorite congresswoman from the Bronx in Queens, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, is uh, a representative. And you've got others like Tiffany Cabana, a local one. But we're going to get into that as well when we come back. The battle between capitalism and socialism in New York City, which, of course, is raging across the country. We're coming back with Curtis Sliwa and your calls. 833-4-VALDEZ, 833-482-5337. Don't go anywhere. Don't move a muscle. We're just getting started. This podcast is sponsored by Monarch Money. Are you saving to reach your financial goals? Reaching those goals isn't just about getting more money, but by managing what you have. And the best way to manage your money? Monarch Money. 
Monarch Money is a new kind of finance app that's intuitive, powerful, ad-free, and takes the headaches out of budgeting. Try it free when you go to monarchmoney.com slash podcast. Monarch puts all your accounts, investments, transactions, and finances at your fingertips. With a complete view of your finances, you'll gain insights on your spending and find new ways to save. Plus, Monarch lets you customize your dashboard, collaborate with your partner, set custom budgets and goals, and track your progress toward them. See why Mint users are turning to Monarch Money and loving it, and why the Wall Street Journal named Monarch Money the best budgeting app overall. Get a 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash podcast. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H money.com slash podcast for your free trial. monarchmoney.com slash podcast. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. That's AOC, all-out crazy, some say all-out commie, and she's whispering like our president, Joel Baboso Biden, saying that most people uh, don't even know what capitalism is because they're not billionaires. Of course, AOC is a little bit uh, troubled here, but the battle between capitalism and socialism rages on. By the way, a little bit later, we're going to have some conversation on artificial intelligence as well as a discussion on China. So I don't want you to miss that. And at 1050, I'm taking your calls on whether you would house illegal aliens in your home or not if the government was going to hit you off with a couple of... uh, a couple of uh, bucks. So let me know. That's at 1050-8334. Valdez is the number. But again, it's capitalism versus socialism. And this battle starts on the streets of New York City. Our guest is the founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Sliwa. He's uh, also a radio host out of New York City. Curtis Sliwa, what's going on with capitalism versus socialism? Well, I must uh, acknowledge that, like Red China, I have stolen your intellectual property that you had failed to trademark and copyright. (laughs) You were the first to call AOC all out crazy. And I have taken it to new heights. That's everywhere I use it. At a recent Sean Hannity show, they asked me to repeat it twice, and the crowd went crazy. (laughs) AOC, all out crazy. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez leader of the socialists of America. I don't even I don't even call them the democratic socialists because if you asked all of the members, what would you prefer if you could only have one title of one party affiliation? Most would say socialists. They are true believers. They're out there, they're organizing, they're young, they're aggressive, they knock on doors, uh, they bust their shoes getting new voters. And more importantly, because they're young, they've combined both the serious nature of the body politics with socializing at night, which young people love to do. Go out to bars, gin mills, 
nightclubs, so that it becomes a social occasion, not just a work occasion. Go to most typical Democrat and Republican meetings. It's a group of older people. You know, any minute they're waiting for the Bluebird special. You know, there's not a lot of energy. There's not a lot of activity. So they're moving into urban areas, these socialists, and they're overwhelming the local Democratic parties. The Republican parties are not much help because they're not – they, they, they don't want to engage them. They just want to hold on to whatever other, whatever congressional districts they have or local districts. So I have started the Ronald Reagan Republican Clubs. Uh, first, in Astoria, Queens, which AOC, all out crazy, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, called the People's Republic of Astoria. I thought Tony Bennett was going to have a stroke at that moment because he's the Astoria <laughs> kid. Then we organized a club in Staten Island, and now we're opening up a club in the Bronx on Flag Day, June 14th, which covers both of AOC's congressional areas, Queens and the Bronx, and we're taking on the socialists. And we have mostly moderate Democrats, because you see, when they hear the term Ronald Reagan, they're not put off. If they hear the term DeSantis or Trump, everything is so polarized today that although they're not thrilled with Joe Biden, they don't want to be seen as being Trump Republicans or DeSantis Republicans. But when you mention Ronald Reagan, the image they have, because they're mostly baby boomers like myself, is, oh, Tip O'Neill, Speaker of the House, the long-term Democrat, sitting down with Ronald Reagan, the Republican, who at one time was a Democrat when he was the head of SAG-AFTRA, the union of actors and actresses in Hollywood, Mm -hmm. and they broke bread have a few drinks, settle their differences. And so they they were able to cross over these partisan lines. And we are finding increasing numbers of moderate Democrats who want to get involved. And we tell them, we don't want to convert you to become Republicans because we know you don't want to be a Republican. We want to help you take back your party, which has been hijacked by Bernie the Altacaca Sanders, who is obviously royalty among socialists. And the princess of all socialists, AOC, all-out crazy, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Outstanding work. And let me tell you, I spoke at one of your events a couple of months ago. It was an honor. And uh, it was great to see the energy in the room. Way more people than I thought. It was at a a local lodge. I don't know if it was the Knights of Columbus or what it was. But uh, it was packed. There were no seats available. There were standing room only in the back. And the neighborhood came out um, in full force because they just didn't like it in Astoria. And again, this is we're talking about Astoria, Queens. That is not a, um, a conservative bastion of America. Right. This is uh, run of the mill New Yorkers that, uh, as far as I know, all Democrats. But they just have had it up to here with socialists. Now, Curtis Lee. Right, but they, they, they also rich. They have mm-hmm. legal immigrants. The three pillars of Western civilization oh, reside there. Egyptians. Italians and Greeks, and we're bringing together them in a coalition that's never been put together before to defeat the socialists in AOC. Yeah, and as you, as you branch out into into the Bronx, you'll find there's a lot of immigrants there too, as well uh, Hispanic immigrants from all over the place that they believe in law and order, they believe in hard work, uh, they believe in everything that that most Americans believe in because that's why they bought a house and decided to to make that their neighborhood. But the DSA, the Democrat Socialists of America, have a different plan. So I think you're going to continue to see success with that stuff. I didn't have much success 
inviting um, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez on my radio program, both in New York or here, uh, because she, she never wanted to have that conversation. But I was reminding the audience yesterday, it's the four-year anniversary of her running away from me at the New York City Puerto Rican Day Parade. Now, I, I tell this story every now and again, but I never get to tell this story with one of the eyewitnesses who was there, which is you. So why don't you share with the audience a little bit of what happened when I walked over to good old AOC after you said, hey, Richie V, look, it's your girlfriend over there. And I said, oh, wow, yeah, it is. And I grabbed my little daughter at the time. She was probably 12 years old. And I went over and I said, hi, Congresswoman. And what happened after that is history. Curtis Lee. That's right. It's almost like uh, a scene out of those boots were made for walking. And she just flew out of that area. I'm telling you, she saw you, the liberty-loving Latino. She wanted to not engage you, even though they were carrying a banner, her socialist. Uh, let's bring all Puerto Ricans together today. Yeah, We're all Puerto Ricans together. But she she ran as fast as she could away from you. Uh, you joined the Guardian Angels that day because we're in the parade every year. You'll be joining us again on Sunday. Yes, and sir. we will find AOC so that we can rejoin you and AOC together forever. <laughs> Outstanding. Curtis Lee, well, let everybody know how they can follow you. Keep up to speed with the work that you're doing and uh, support. Well, all you got to do is message me on Facebook at Curtis Lee, especially if you're interested in helping to organize a Ronald Reagan Republican club that can bring moderate Democrats in with you so that you could help them take back the Democratic Party from AOC all out crazy, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, and the many socialists who are trying to destroy our country. Outstanding. Curtis Lee, I'll see you Sunday. Godspeed to you, and thanks for joining us. No problems, my hands across America to the liberty-loving Latino, Rich Valdez. Outstanding. All right, folks, more to come straight ahead. We're taking your calls right now. We're moments away from a segment that where we're going to find out, do Americans support illegal immigrants living in their homes? If you've never called this program before, today is the perfect time to call because I really want to hear what you have to say on this topic. The phone number is 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. numbers? I mean, how many have been released without a mandated court date? So we released uh, a number because of the surge that we experienced before Title 42 right. came, came to an end. Now, with the 50 percent drop in the number of encounters at our southern border, we are executing our consequence regime exactly as planned. OK, that's uh, Alejandro Mayorkas about two and a half weeks ago. 
uh, middle of May saying uh, we're dropping these numbers by 50 percent. And of course, that's because they're counting them differently. Him and his fuzzy math. But we all know the reality because Eric Adams keeps coming on the news every day. The mayor of New York City saying, look, enough is enough. Yeah, basta. We've got too much. And now he's actually asking people to let immigrants into your home, right into your personal private home. Will you do it? And most people say, oh, I would do it. I would do it. And then when it's push comes to shove. They're like, well, you know, I don't know if I can. I don't have the space. That's another bribing people saying, look, here's 65 bucks. If you're a private person, 120 bucks, if you're a church or another type of nonprofit. And again, blowing away what they would pay you uh, if you were taking in an actual uh, foster child, that's an American baby, right? So, uh, or teenager. So I just find that to be so interesting. And again, Mayor Eric Adams floated this idea a couple of days ago. And uh, I wanted to discuss it with our good friend Curtis Lee, which we just did. And I want to get your thoughts on it as well, because putting forward this proposal that um, Mayor Adams believes religious leaders have agreed to start housing adult male immigrants um, overnight at 50 houses of worship. So we're talking about not just private homes, but churches. And these are scattered across the five boroughs. And this will start next month. So these are residents, here's a quote, these are residents who are suffering right now because of economic challenges and and they have spare rooms. Now you heard that audio in the last uh, segment. He's saying, if you're suffering from Biden's border crisis, Biden's economic crisis, if you're losing money because of Joe El Baboso Biden, then I can give you a couple of extra bucks as long as you let this uh, this new family member into your home. Absolutely ridiculous. Let's go to Saratoga, New York. WGDJ and check in with Jane. Hey, Jane, you're on with Rich Valdez. Go right ahead. Hey, Rich, how are you? Uh, who, who in their right mind would let these people come into their home? I live out where I live. I am just getting over some surgery. I thought, well, I'll walk it. The landscapers around here are hiring illegals. I walked into my backyard. I was feeling horrible. And what did I come across? Two illegals relieving themselves out by my shed. And while they were I, working on your house? No, they weren't working on my house. They were they are cutting through people's yards. Yeah. Oh wow. Landscapers are hiring them or other people around who can get them really cheap and they'll walk away from a job if they see something that's evidently I mean, I don't know how their mind works. They just take off across the neighborhood, and uh, there they were, going through my yard. And well, perhaps I, something in your yard was very inviting and said, hey, come here. This is a, uh, a urine-safe zone, maybe, no? Yeah, it was a shed that <laughs> they could hide behind. But I That's what it was. You provided shelter. <laughs> yes, there you go. No, it's crazy. No. And, what, and may I thank you for tonight's lead-in? You... You're you're so fair, and I appreciate it because I am a total Trump supporter, and um, yeah, you're very fair, and I appreciate that. And oh, uh, thank you, Jane. He's, I try to. He's he's good at what he does, and that's why they're scared to death of him. Right? Yeah, I, I agree with that. Uh, again, if people don't come after you unless you're doing something good, if if you're of no consequence, then they don't care. And uh, it's lamentable to to see what's going on. But that's exactly what what seems to be happening. So uh, we're counting you as a hard no for allowing um, uh, a migrant into your home and getting a check from Mayor Eric Adams. Yeah, very much so. (laughs) 
That's crazy. No, that's insane. You don't know that. Oh, and what? May I ask you something? Has anybody checked into the law about squatters' rights? Have you ever, people have. I know that some squatters do have rights when they're trying to destroy buildings and they sit there and squat and they get extra time, uh, but I I don't know the full extent of it. If someone comes to you, because I was going to take someone, a friend's son at one point who never worked. And somebody, a lawyer that I know, said, no, 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 don't do that. Because after 30 days, if someone has been in your home, they, they can become a resident. Yep, they're a wow. resident. And you would have an impossible time getting them out of your home. Imagine having to evict an illegal alien from your home. I just imagine that. Uh, anyway, Jane, thank you for the call. I appreciate your kind words. Have a great weekend. We're going to come back to the rest of your calls. I see we've got more calls coming in on this decision on whether we're going to allow illegal immigrants in our homes or not. Getting to your calls now, 833-482-5337. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833 833- for Valdez. That's 833-482-5337. 4 valdez That's Valdez with an S. Welcome back. And a lot of Americans seem to be very concerned about the rise of artificial intelligence. Of course, we bring it up here every now and again. Uh, Will AI, artificial intelligence, uh, replace things, including your boss? We're going to find out a little bit more about that at the top of the next hour. So don't miss that. Of course, if you want to join our conversation right now, the number is 833-482-5337, 833-4VALDES. Let's go to Egg Harbor Township, New Jersey. Jersey in the building, W-O-N-D. Big shout out to everybody on W-O-N-D. Great station. Denise, welcome. Well, you know, uh, uh, I have a a dual residency, uh, Egg Harbor Township and Richfield. So it's up in Bergen County. So the bottom line is one of the the last callers was talking about people waiting to get picked up to go to, you know, landscaping jobs. But I got to tell you, 30 years ago, um, uh, let's see, that would make it, what, um, 1990 or something like that. Okay. I would take my son roaming around, and there was an area called Moorsmere where there would be a lineup of 20, 30 guys waiting to get jobs. And 15 minutes later, like, you know, taking him to school and what have you, I would uh, go running around, and I would see them gone because they got jobs. The only difference is this is a massive number of people. Back in 30 years ago, there might have been, you know, uh, a small amount of illegal um, aliens in the area. But now I don't see any of those people waiting for jobs because I don't think they understand how to go about doing like where to go. But um, it's nothing new. But it's the, the only thing that's horrible is the massive amount of people. So yeah, that's well, let me share this comment. with you, Denise. I spent a couple of days this week looking for uh, for um, a birthday gift for my daughter. And my travels took me to a few different places. And I was in Patterson and I was in Passaic, New Jersey. 
And when I passed by the Home Depot, the parking lot and the surrounding blocks were filled. People were flagging me down. And I was wondering, why are they flagging me down? They think I'm a cab? or And my brother says, no, that people come around here looking to hire people to work. They were everywhere. A bunch of able-bodied men looking for work at Home Depot, hoping a contractor would come by. And I'm talking about, I don't know, at least 100 of them uh, between the parking lot of the Home Depot and the two blocks uh, surrounding. So it's still happening. It's it's alive and well. And I was just thinking, man, this is Jersey. Imagine what's happening right in New York City, Denise. Oh, wow. That's horrible. Well, you know, uh, I think our Congress people and our representatives, have we have to get to them and say, you know, um, but yeah, do better. To, huh? We got to tell them to do better. No. No, no. What needs to be done? I happen to be a veteran, so I belong to several different veterans organizations. Thank you for your service. Oh, thank you. Um, The bottom line is um, veterans organizations need to get on the stick and make a big noise about what Biden is doing. And um, I might be the one to do it. I I mean, I don't have much time in my life. I love it. But as soon as you start the organization and you get it going, give us a call. We'll try and get the word out. Denise from Egg Harbor Township and Ridgefield, which consequently is close by to where my home is. Uh, Big shout out to everybody listening in Jersey, W-O-N-D in the building. All right, folks, we're coming right back. Thanks, Denise. And 833-482-5337 is the number. Up next, we're talking about AI. Don't miss it. the city that never sleeps 17 miles from madison square garden new york city it's america at night with rich valdez america's favorite late night talk program featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across america and now here is your host rich valdez Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S at the end. Our phone number, if you want to join the late-night national town hall conversation, 833-482-5337, 833-4VALDEZ. And uh, Trump has been charged with 37 counts in this new indictment. Uh, You would think with these criminal charges for holding on the classified documents, possessing the documents, being the guy that could actually declassify the documents, uh, all sorts of things. You've got these hearsay pieces of audio that are coming out. I mean, it's really just uh, quite a spectacle, in my opinion, what we're watching, uh, especially now that he's running for president. Didn't happen the day he left the presidency. Didn't happen, uh, you know, a month or six months after he left the White House. It's almost as if they were like, you know what, we're, we're going to come after you with everything we've got if you try to run for president again. And we're watching it right now. It's like the old saying, uh, they're going to throw everything at him. Uh, but the kitchen sink, I think they're giving them the kitchen sink and everything here. That's that. Now, let's see. What else do we have here? We've got, uh, what's this here? 29 million gun owners have refused to comply with Biden's ATF new pistol brace rule. We'll talk about that at the top of the next hour. And artificial intelligence. Uh, there's uh, 
There's a couple of stories on this artificial intelligence. Interesting uh, topic because people are always, um, you know, leery about new technology. I'm one of them. And a story here in Barron says 20 artificial intelligence stock picks and uh, 10 AI predictions. And there's a, there's a, a dip in some of these stocks. So this is why they're offering these picks. Then you've got a garbage truck. They're saying that they can create autonomous garbage trucks that are uh, maneuvered, managed, and driven by AI, kind of like those self-driving Teslas that ended up killing that guy uh, and, and another person, right? I remember when that was happening. And uh, I can tell you, I don't want to be the person that gets killed by an autonomous garbage truck, an autonomous uh, electric vehicle, an autonomous anything. I don't want to be in it. Uh, you know, if they, if I call for a, a, a drive share like Uber, Lyft, one of those things, and they send me somebody without a driver, uh, I'm good, right? I'm good. I'm going to pass on that one. I, I don't want to do that. But a lot of people are buying into artificial intelligence. And um, there's uh, an article in Forbes where they're talking about what artificial, artificial intelligence can do and what it can't do and how it affects leadership. And will AI replace great leaders? Uh, I would suppose that it can't, but we're going to get to the bottom of that with our guest, Gareth Gwynn. He's the author and founder of Let's See Labs, and I want to get with him on this because artificial intelligence is obviously a super hot-button topic, and we are going to uh, find out what's going on. Gareth Gwynn, welcome. Thank you so much. Great to be here with you. My pleasure. Forgive me. I misgendered you. Uh, so No, now, no our- worries at all. <laughs> <laughs> I want to uh, get into a little bit of, of this AI stuff, because obviously we talk about mm-hmm. it on this program every now and again, and uh, I see some benefit to it. I think that, you know, it, it can it can be of, of use in certain areas, but for many people, it's just scary. We just saw an article that I think it was just last month that 4,000 jobs were replaced by AI. Uh, I believe uh, Amazon has been laying people off and they're saying that they're planning on using AI as well as other companies uh, are planning on using AI to permanently replace people and uh, permanently replace certain roles. So with that being said, do you think that AI um, will replace the role of a good leader? You know, I think in some ways that it will and in some ways that it won't. I think in terms of the capacity, I mean, AI is based off of a neural network, which is based off of the human brain. And so AI itself as a technology, the computational power that it can have surpasses the amount of computational power that a brain can compute and be conscious of its own computation in that time. So I think that actually from a standpoint of like solving equations very fast or analyzing and pattern recognition and some roles that require a lot more of that quantitative analysis and pattern recognition. I think that it is, there are going to be places where it's superior to what a human can do. And in other areas, I think that what it does is invite us into our own creativity and invite us into seeing, wow, okay, so now all this other stuff is taken care of. What does this leave space for? What is, what am I being called to and where can I produce in society and where can I, you know, contribute in a new way? So I think it asks, it does, it's asking us to change. And, I, and change can be hard, and also change can be what can also be transformative for us as well. So I think that it actually has the power to bring out better leadership in people if they're willing to say yes to change. 
You know, I oftentimes hear people make a case similar to the one you made, and, and I, I'm usually mm-hmm. skeptical because I think, you know, all right, well, you're, you talk a good game, but uh, I don't want a robot replacing me or I don't want a robot or some algorithm doing this or doing that. But I have to say, I do believe in the role of technology, and I think you raise an excellent point in so much as it's not going anywhere, right? AI is here to stay, and it's only going to become right. more pervasive is the word I'm going to use, but we could use many mm-hmm. other words, but it's going to be more ingrained in popular culture and society and technology and in, in operations and all sorts of industry. And I, I liken it to a, uh, a, a documentary film I saw a long time ago that was highlighting how technology plays a role in, in all sorts of industrial development. And the point for this particular documentary was the Iceman and how there was an entire industry of people that delivered ice as quickly as they could before it would melt on the back of a truck, brought it to people's homes, put it in their ice box, and that's how they refrigerated their food pre the invention of a refrigerator, uh, uh, mm-hmm. an electric refrigerator. And there were people saying, obviously, the advent of the refrigerator was a great idea, and it's made things better, less people get sick from food poisoning, it allows you to store food, and this, that, and the other thing. And all true. And, mm-hmm. of course it destroyed an entire industry of, of, at the time, men who would deliver ice and were left without a, right. a job because mm-hmm. they had to find mm-hmm. a, new, a new trade. Uh, so mm-hmm. I, I understood both sides of the story there, but I realized many things are going are, are to meet the fate of the Iceman because that's just how it yeah. is. You know, the horse and buggy met the fate of the Iceman with, <laughs> with the, you know, the Model T. So I, I get mm-hmm. that, and I think AI is also going to replace things that, frankly, if I'm being frank, um, have been dissipating, right? I think many people can say, whether you want to blame it on the pandemic or not, that customer service or even um, accuracy in a lot of interactions in fast food or other food service uh, scenarios um, has suffered since the pandemic. And, and people just aren't as sharp or as willing or as kind or whatever uh, as committed to mm-hmm. customer service or hospitality. And this is an area where maybe AI can help alleviate some of that by putting less of the people that aren't equipped to be customer-facing employees to be in other roles where, you know, maybe mm-hmm. you could replace it with a kiosk. And I'm not advocating that. I'm just saying I think that's a thing that's real. So do you think that most people look at it the way I do or do most people accept it or, uh, I guess, choice C, do most people say, I hate it? Yeah, well, I think that, that the question that you're asking presents that a lot of people haven't decided. I think a lot of people don't know. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people I talk to are still in this place where they're, they realize, oh, my gosh, something big is happening. A big, you know, This is a major game changer for all of society, and I don't actually know what's going to happen. Um, so I think some people have more of a fear response. Some people have more of an excitement response. But either way, I do feel like I hear a lot of people kind of like, facing the unknown, having to face new territory, um, you know, with some having stronger opinions than others. Um, and, you know, a lot of the conversations that I'm engaged in around it also deal with just the consciousness aspect and sort of the uniqueness where, you know, the, the human brain is connected to a nervous system, which allows us to feel compassion and empathy, whereas the neural networks of um, a lot of AI systems don't have that nervous system that allows them to feel And so when we don't feel each other as humans, then we begin to act in ways that aren't taking into account the, you know, empathy for those around us. And so that, that sort of, um, that's one of the places I hear people most scared of. And like you said before, you know, you don't want to be in a car, 
an autonomous car that crashes because all of a sudden it wasn't aware of another human life. And so that sort of consciousness and awareness and empathy piece, I think, is one of the most interesting points um, of dialogue right now. Yeah, right. Minus the fact that uh, a drunk person doesn't care to get in the car and hurt you or themselves or others. Most people get in the car and they're like, I'm going to be safe because I don't want to die, let alone the passenger in the car. Right. So you, you lose that when mm-hmm. you have a AI operated um, system. Folks, we're on with Gareth Gwynn. She is the author. Uh, uh, I don't have the name of the book. I got to get that. I will get that in a moment. Uh, and founder of Let's See Labs. Every dad loves a good steak. Every dad. That's why I like Omaha steaks, right? They're perfectly aged. They're always tender and guaranteed to be delicious. This Father's Day. The experts at Omaha Steaks have made it super easy to put a smile on your dad's face. All you got to do is go to the website, and you could save 30 bucks off your qualifying order, by the way, by typing in GRILL as the promo code. But you head over to omahasteaks.com, use promo code GRILL, get the 30 bucks off your qualifying order, and choose from a variety of mouth-watering packages. Now, these include the fork tender bacon-wrapped filet mignon. This is terrific. I've had this. I love it. I recommend it. And you also have other gourmet grillables like the air-chilled boneless chicken breasts, the burgers. Those are fantastic. And, of course, you've got the jumbo franks and lots of other things. Don't forget to save room for dessert. Why? Because most of these packages come with four delicious caramel apple tartlets. I'm getting hungry just talking about it. So that's why I'm telling you to go to omahasteaks.com, use code GRILL, G-R-I-L-L, and get 30 bucks off because everybody knows that dads want steaks, right? Whether he's your dad, your father-in-law, a father figure, or he's the guy who's just always been there for you and stepped up when you needed him most, right? It's Father's Day. Show him some love with the only gift that's as unforgettable as he is the mouth-watering perfection of Omaha Steaks. They're perfectly aged, tender steaks, and these hand-selected packages, you're not going to want to miss them. Go to omahasteaks.com, put in code GRILL, and save 30 bucks off. Do it now. We're coming right back. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. I don't think ever in the history of human endeavor has there been as fundamental potential technological change as is presented by artificial intelligence. It is staggering. Of course, that's President Biden. He was having a conversation with the prime minister of England two days ago discussing AI. I played that clip before and I'm playing it again because uh, there are so many questions around artificial intelligence and um, we're going to get into that right now. I just want to remind you, we've got Gordon Chang. He's joining us in the next segment. That we're going to talk about China. So as we talk about AI, we're going to talk about the threat of China as well. 
But right now, I want to continue our conversation with Gareth Gwynn. She's the founder of Let's See Labs and the author of You Are Us, How to Build Bridges in a Polarized World. And I think that's important. And that's what I want to kind of focus on now is that those two things, A, uh, how we build bridges, and B, what are your thoughts on how the government is going to regulate AI moving forward? Yeah, it's interesting. I, I, one of the things I'm curious to see is how they will be able to regulate something that in some ways starts to take a life of its own, which is the reason that it is something to elicit fear in the first place is like, mm-hmm. where will they try to, to, where will they try to clamp down and where will it skirt around it? And that's kind of, you know, what similar narrative that happened with cryptocurrency as well. It was like, right. oh, this thing is, has a life of its own, but then the government tries to come in and find these different ways to regulate and control. Um, so I think from an AI perspective, I think that um, the companies that are creating the technologies, the government is going to work very closely with and try to create specific, um, you know, um, I guess, barriers for certain topics, like little like a jail in a way when um, using the technologies, people will say like, oh, I found a jailbreak in order to get around some sort of regulation that was already imposed within that system. But I think it's mm-hmm. going to be unique to each company. Fascinating. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking my initial thought on that was that we would just use existing, you know, like IP law and whatever for, for those things, but it, it expands beyond intellectual property and so mm-hmm. many areas, this AI stuff. So it really feels like the wild, wild west. And uh, I am curious to see how that unfolds. And I agree. The, the other part of what I wanted to discuss with you, um, and I think probably one of the, the most important parts to underscore here is your book, um, mm-hmm. You Are Us, How to Build Bridges in a Polarized World. Um, what, what prompted you to write a book about that? Yeah, well, I, you know, I think that the polarization is often um, a source of division in the way that it's related to. So, uh, you know, from people who are talking points on the left or who are talking points on the right, in some ways, um, engaging in political conversations or engaging in, in topics around race, religion, gender, socioeconomic status it almost becomes a battle with a certain ideological narrative instead of actually looking what's really going on underneath. What are people scared of? What are they not willing to be vulnerable about? Vulnerable about? What barriers to their own self-awareness are inhibiting them from actually being real in that conversation versus repeating something they heard on, you know, from a, some other source? And so in our programs and workshops, we work with leaders to try to say, hey, what is it inside of you that you can take responsibility for to show up in ways that elicit inspiration and people wanting to learn more and be curious to expand their perspective instead of activating defensiveness in each other? And so that's really what I feel like um, in order to get to a collaborative place where we don't have to agree with everything. And we certainly can still have a boundary and say no and disagree, but the way in which we do it still can be collaborative and become more generative. And I think in that way, um, sides that are seemingly opposed can actually begin to serve each other. Now, when you wrote this book, what was the context in which you wrote it? Was it your particular industry uh, in technology? Was it um, something more practical, just like general business sense or individuals and political divides? The original source came out of my curiosity around 
what do different, like what do leaders who have come to know their sense of worth and their wholeness beyond their external conditions? And what are these leaders look like across varying contexts? And can I talk to them? So I interviewed people from all over the world who had really gone through this transformational journey. And then the stories make up the book to reveal the pattern that says, hey, everybody can step into this kind of radical transformation. Radical responsibility is a big part of it. And learning how to feel and grieve and and understand that actually the challenges that are presented to us culturally and in our society, when we feel all this pressure, you know, for, for example, with AI, if we feel something oppressing us, like if, or we feel scared of it, how can we actually leverage that fear and that judgment and turn towards it and learn from what it is inside of ourselves that we can, you know, step and take responsibility for stepping out of a fear state, out of a fear-based state. Um, and so that was, you know, part of what I was interested in. And that is applicable to leadership across all different, you know, environments and communities. We work with academia and spiritual communities and work a lot with corporate teams as well, which we found really effective in terms of getting teams together to actually work and get the work done instead of actually focusing on distracting issues that they're scared of. So in essence, remaining positive and keeping an open mind. How else would you, uh, I guess if you had to give a single, uh, singular piece of advice to, to the folks that are listening on how to do this in, in about a minute or so, mm-hmm. what I would, would say be that, that when, piece of advice? Yeah, I would say that when we feel ourselves judging somebody else or when we feel we want to blame somebody else, that that's one of the biggest gems. If we actually uh, learn to relate with that in a way that we can find the part of us that we've un- we haven't accepted or that is actually not taking responsibility and we actually transform that, then we can deal with the external. We don't, we can still show up and say no, or have, you know, like I said, have boundaries, but the way that we feel and the way that we show up our own way, feeling free inside of ourselves transforms everything. And so I would say that's the biggest piece is that to, to change the relationship around when we feel judgment or blame in people outside of us. All right. Uh, I'd love to explore that uh, a little further one day. I wish we had a little bit more time. Uh, Folks, let me urge you to get the book and check it out. It's called You Are Us, How to Build Bridges in a Polarized World. The author, Gareth Gwynn. Gareth Gwynn, let everybody know how they can get a copy of the book. Yeah, thank you so much. On the website, letsseelab.com. It shows the programs and a link to the book right on the website, letsseelab.com. Well, I want to thank you for being with us. Godspeed to you. You as well. Thank you so much. You bet. All right, folks, more to come straight ahead. We're going to pivot to international affairs and discuss China with Gordon Chang. Don't move a muscle. We're coming right back. Cuba have now reached a secret agreement, we are told, for China to establish an electronic facility on the island, which would allow Chinese intelligence services to scoop up electronic communications throughout the southeastern U.S. What is your reaction to this? 
Uh, look, I've seen that press report. Um, it, it's not accurate. Uh, what I can tell you is that uh, we we have been concerned since day one of this administration about uh, China's influence activities uh, around the world, uh, certainly in this hemisphere and in this region. Uh, we're watching this very, very closely, uh, and we will, and we have, and will continue uh, to take steps uh, to mitigate any potential threat that those activities might pose, so that we can make sure, and we are, we're positive that we can continue to defend this nation. You're, you're saying it's not accurate that they're planning this? I'm seeing, I, I, I'm saying we've seen the report. Um, uh, it's not accurate. All right. That is um, former Admiral John Kirby, uh, NSA spokesperson. And he is, um, sounds like he's obfuscating and <laughs> trying to answer a question there from Andrea Mitchell. And this is uh, from a headline in the Wall Street Journal. China and Cuba have reached a secret agreement for China to establish an electronic eavesdropping facility on the island in a brash new geopolitical challenge by Beijing to the U.S., according to U.S. officials familiar with highly classified intelligence. So leakers. Uh, An eavesdropping facility in Cuba, roughly 100 miles from Florida, would allow Chinese intelligence services to scoop up electronic communications throughout the southeastern United States, where many military bases are located, and monitor U.S. ship traffic. This goes on and on, and we'll discuss that. But I want to bring in uh, one of my favorite experts on China, Gordon Chang. You can find him on Twitter at Gordon G. Chang, and he's the author of The Coming Collapse of China. Gordon Chang, welcome, sir. Thank you so much, Rich. Thank you. It's a pleasure to have you, brother. Thanks for staying up late to, to be on the program. Um, I want to know here, what's going on? One of these people are lying, right? The Wall Street Journal or John Kirby? Which one is it? My guess is that it's John Kirby. And the reason is that his denial was tortured. And my sense is that he's trying to make a technical argument. One of the things that's been widely reported, this for years, is that China has actual listening facilities in Cuba already. They're it sounds like they're listening to you, Gordon Chang, and they just hit you with the Havana syndrome. Just kidding. While we work on getting uh, Gordon Chang back, because it may, I hope he did not get Havana syndrome. I said that jokingly because we lost the connection with him, but we're working on getting him back. Uh, I believe it's important that we continue to just understand what's going on here, right? Because these officials that are familiar with the matter, a.k.a. the leakers that leaked to the Washington, uh, excuse me, the Wall Street Journal, they uh, they say that China has agreed to pay cash-strapped Cuba several billion dollars to allow it to build the eavesdropping station and that the two countries have reached an agreement in principle. Now, I don't know how true that is, but hopefully Gordon Chang can help us figure it out. Gordon Chang. Yeah, Rich, um, we don't know the truth right now, but it sounds like John Kirby is trying to make a very technical denial. And that should, of course, raise red flags. But the story here is that there have been reports for years that China has listening facilities in Cuba already. They're at Lourdes, um, Bayoucal, and Santiago de Cuba. And I, these are unconfirmed, as mentioned, but the point is that at Lourdes, which was perhaps the largest Soviet listening post during the Cold War outside the Soviet Union, um, it is almost certain that there are Chinese there. So I think that uh, basically Kirby is trying to say, well, there's no new facilities. Um, but, yeah, they've been there for quite some time, I think. I see. 
Right. So that, that could be one way for him to kind of wiggle out of this. So do you think that the reporting in the Wall Street Journal is accurate that there's, I guess, a new facility or is this just reporting on these existing facilities? Yeah, it seems like um, it's new. Well, apparently, yeah, China probably is uh, building out um, expanded um, facilities at some place where it already is. So, mm. for instance, at Lourdes, which is an important facility, probably China is adding a few buildings. Now, Kirby may say, no, that's not a new facility. But the point is, China is putting more money into something, is my sense of really where we're going on this. And in your opinion, and I know you're really well versed on this stuff, to me, this sounds like a very bad idea. But uh, how how big of a threat is this uh, to the United States having China uh, with a magnified presence that close to the United States? Well, of course, um, that close to the U.S., they'll be able to pick up a lot of um, activity, um, signals, intelligence, which they wouldn't get um, through other means. But let's remember uh, two things. First of all, uh, we have um, you know, established diplomatic relations with Havana. What we should be doing is cutting off those relations if these reports are true. Second thing is China is picking up a lot of intelligence from American soil. We've allowed this. And that's something we can do about. Um, so I think that we, have, we should really be thinking about all the ways China collects on us from inside our borders. Now, I, I'm guessing some of these ways are these uh, AKA uh, weather balloons, right? Uh, that, that went awry recently, but there are other ways they're collecting data. Tell us about them. Yeah, sure. Um, so for instance, um, China's embassy in Washington, DC on Connecticut Avenue is in a pretty high location that overlooks Washington. Um, why we allowed the Chinese to build the embassy there is really beyond me. Um, also, of course, they use their consulates. They've got four of them left, um, and they've used those for all sorts of espionage. And the Chinese state enterprises, Chinese state banks, um, you name it, they use every point of contact with our society to collect intelligence from us, and we should not be permitting that. Folks, we're on with Gordon Chang. Uh, on Twitter, at Gordon G. Chang. Make sure you give him a follow and check him out. We're discussing the um, continued threat that China poses to the United States and how, in my opinion, they're getting a little bit more uh, aggressive in their take. Uh, we saw recently a little standoff with, with ships. We've seen it with airplanes. We've seen it with just about everything. And it seems like they're giving the proverbial middle finger to the United States every way they can. Don't go anywhere. Keep it locked right here. Gordon Chang is with us uh, until the top of the hour. The phone number, if you want to join the conversation, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Valdez. That's Valdez with an S. 
these are intercepts. Now look, air and maritime intercepts happen all the time. Heck, we do it. The difference is uh, when we do it, when we feel like we need to do it, it's done professionally and it's done inside the, the, the inter international uh, law and it's done in accordance with the rules of the road. These two that you saw recently, and there's, they, happen, they have happened with more frequency than we'd like. Not all of them are unsafe and unprofessional, but these two were. You saw in the air intercept uh, that they forced our, uh, our aircraft, an RC-135, to basically go through the jet wash. That, that, you saw the bump in the cockpit. That shows you how close that uh, Chinese fighter was uh, to our jet. And in the, in the maritime intercept in the Taiwan Straits, 150, 140, 150 yards. Uh, speaking as an old sailor myself, I'll tell you, that's pretty close when you're, when you're in open waters like that. Again, Admiral John Kirby... Uh, just reminding America that China is eating our lunch, or at least preparing to. Headline, Beijing chastises America after sending Chinese warship to cut off U.S. destroyer in the Taiwan Strait. Gordon Chang is our guest, at Gordon G. Chang on Twitter. He's the author of The Coming Collapse of China. Excellent book. You should check it out. Gordon Chang, what's going on with this? Well, China is trying to provoke incidents in the, its peripheral waters. Um, there was the uh, maritime incident in the in the Taiwan Strait. Um, that was a couple Saturdays ago, and that involved the U.S. Uh, Arleigh destroyer, the Chung-Hoon, uh, which was transiting through the strait along with a Canadian destroyer. The other one was actually, I think, even more dangerous. That occurred on May 26th. This was the RC-135 that Admiral Kirby talked about. Um, May 26 was an important date because on May 26, 2022, which was exactly a year before, China intercepted an Australian P-8 reconnaissance craft, also in international airspace, over the South China Sea, and it almost brought the Australian plane down. But the Chinese fired flares and chaff. Chaff is aluminum foil, which is used to confuse radar. Some of that got ingested into one of the two engines of the P-8, and that was extremely dangerous. So China was using the May 26, 2023 intercept of our Air Force craft really as a warning by the anniversary. And by the way, um, China's most famous propagandist, uh, uh, Hu Jin, actually issued a death threat to an American crew on Twitter. So we have to be very clear that China is trying to intimidate us. And clearly we cannot be intimidated because if we allow ourselves to be pushed back, we're in a world of hurt. Now, Gordon Chang, forgive me for my ignorance here, but if, if I'm in charge and somebody does all of that to me, I think you look like a punk if you don't react. Uh, maybe that's not how it works in, in diplomacy, but. Uh, I, I would I would submit that I think we should take the same approach as you would on the street. If they're pushing you around like that, you got to push them back, no? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we got to actually impose greater costs on China than China actually benefits from this. So we really have to push them hard. We do that, we have a chance of reestablishing deterrence. But right now, the Chinese are not deterred by us. Um, especially after the fall of Afghanistan, which they correctly viewed as a catastrophic event, um, they felt that the United States was done. And what we have to do is convince them that, no, we are here and they've got to deal with us. Now, do you think the possibility of 
of setting the record straight with China exists with the current administration? Is John Kirby able to send that message or is his boss, uh, Joe El Baboso Biden, able to send that message in your opinion? Yeah, well, it's not Kirby. I mean, Kirby is the mouthpiece. Um, Joe Biden right now is in cooperation mode. He's ardently pursuing the Chinese. I mean, the Chinese do terrible things, and the Biden administration says, no big deal. You know, for instance, Biden a couple weeks ago talked about that silly balloon incident. Uh, Well, it wasn't silly. That balloon um, hovered over our nuclear weapons sites. So clearly China's preparing a first or second strike on the American homeland. Biden should be outraged. Um, Biden should be imposing costs on China. But we know from Reuters reporting, Rick, that um, that right after that balloon incident, the State Department delayed imposing measures it had previously planned because it didn't want to anger China. So, you know, that is exactly the wrong, the wrong approach. What do you think Joe Biden's so afraid of? Because, I mean, I think on, on foreign policy, he's generally been very pacifistic. Why do you think he's so passive? Well, I think there are a number of reasons. Um, one of them is, of course, people talk about the cash that the Chinese have shoveled into the Biden family. But mm-hmm. we also got to remember that the Chinese didn't have to do that. Um, as uh, um, Robert Gates, our former defense secretary, famously wrote in 2014 in his memoir, he said that Joe Biden was wrong on nearly every foreign policy and national security issue of the past four decades. So here's Biden trying to reestablish, quote unquote, friendly relations with the China that has no interest in sharing the planet with us. Right. Folks, we're on with Gordon Chang at Gordon G. Chang on Twitter. He's the author of The Coming Collapse of China. Uh, he's with us for another segment, and we're going to get to your calls straight away. 833-482-5337. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. Milley also spoke about the tension with China just days after a Chinese warship cut off a U.S. Navy vessel in the Taiwan Strait at a distance of 150 yards, dangerously close. Both countries are significant powers, great powers if you want to call it that. Uh, In the world today, both countries have significant amounts of nuclear weapons. They've got large and capable militaries. Uh, So a conflict between great powers. Arguably, we're in, for sure, we're in competition and arguably we're in confrontation, but we're not yet in conflict. Milley says communication with Beijing is key to avoid conflict. I personally don't think that war between China and the United States is inevitable. Uh, I don't think it's imminent, Uh, but it needs to stay in a status of competition. Uh, In order to do that, countries have to talk to each other. And in times of crisis, it's necessary to de-escalate. All right, so folks, we're on with Gordon G. Chang, Gordon G. Chang on Twitter, 
And uh, we have a caller with a question for Gordon Chang. Jacob in San Jose, California, KVTA. Very quickly. Go right ahead, sir. Rich and uh, Gordon, uh, a couple of years, maybe three years ago, I saw what I looked seemed to me like seagulls uh, circling up in the sky here in San Jose. But one of them just took straight off, and then all the rest followed it. And uh, I saw the same event about a couple of years later, and I saw some news stories that the Chinese here in the Bay Area had a facility that was experimenting with drones. Are the, are the Chinese using drones here in the United States for intelligence-gathering purposes? Thank you, Jacob. Gordon Chang? That's a, yeah, that's a great question. And in a sense, they are, because most of the world's drones and most of the ones in the United States are made by a Chinese company called DJI. Now, DJI drones are connected to the cloud unless you opt out. And if they're in the cloud, I think that China is probably capturing all of this imagery that we Americans have, um, you know, taken. Um, so, yeah, in a sense, China is using uh, the drones that it manufactures, which we fly, to obtain imagery about the United States. It's a very roundabout way of getting into the interior of the country, uh, kind of a back doorway, similar to what um, people criticize the Chinese of doing with TikTok, right, Gordon Chang? Well, TikTok is, I think, even more direct because um, TikTok has broken every security data security promise it's made to us. Um, data from TikTok is piped directly to Beijing. People in the United States sometimes don't even, uh, who work for TikTok, don't even have access to it. And really what we are seeing is um, China using TikTok to surveil the United States. But also the other aspect of TikTok is that they um, are propagating their, um, their narratives. And they use that, do that through TikTok because TikTok um, is has a very powerful algorithm determining what you see and what you don't see. So it's able to take its propaganda and put it into the U.S. onto 150 million phones. So TikTok's not what it's cracked up to be. The Chinese are not just in Cuba for a good cup of espresso. They're spying on us, Gordon Chang. I want to thank you for being here. Let everybody know how they could follow you and uh, follow the work that you're doing. Yeah, um, on Twitter at Gordon G. Chang, G-O-R-D-O-N-G-C-H-A-N-G. And I ar archive my articles for free on my website, www.gordonchang.com. Now, Gordon Chang, I want to thank you, brother. It's always so insightful. Uh, my best to you and your lovely wife, Lydia. Uh, thank you for staying up late and informing America on the, the what seems to be a threat that seems to be uh, getting more malicious by the day. I thank you, sir. Well, thank you so much, Rich. I really appreciate it. You bet. All right, folks, more to come straight ahead. It's Open Phone America. Your calls are welcome. I see the calls are already starting to pile up, so uh, we're going to get to you very shortly. 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ is the phone number. We've got a lot of topics on the table. It's Friday night, so we're going to have a free-for-all. I'm looking forward to it. Open Phone America coming up right now. Don't move a muscle. the city that never sleeps. 
17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez, America's favorite late-night talk program, featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Friday edition of the program. Welcome. Give us a call, 833-482-5337, 833-4VALDEZ is the phone number if you want to join us in our late-night national town hall forum. This is your chance. This is your time. Do it now. This way, uh, we don't have a bunch of people on hold when we end the show, which always is a pet peeve of mine because I want to talk to everybody, and I hate to leave people hanging. Anyway. Uh, lots of stories tonight that we've discussed in hours number one and number two. Uh, we had a great conversation uh, just now with Gordon Chang, also with Gareth Gwynn about artificial intelligence and meeting people in the middle. Uh, it was a very, very interesting discussion on getting past the judgment that we have towards other people that we disagree with. And um, what I wanted to delve into, because, I mean, I don't seem to have a problem with that. I'm happy to talk to people that disagree with me. Um for example, um, Ibram X. Kendi, who I've invited on my program but didn't accept the offer. Uh, I've also invited Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, and she uh, has also uh, never responded. Matter of fact, ran away from me once when I saw her in real life. I was like, hey, what's going on? <laughs> and, uh, you know, but I do uh, enjoy, and I don't want to debate. I really want to have a conversation about things because uh, I see things a certain way, and I'd like to have that conversation. But sometimes it's like the old book, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus, Right. And uh, people just don't seem to get along or don't see eye to eye. And uh, there's a woman on TikTok who says that she's a liberal, but she finds it hard to find a masculine man who will date her that will pay for dinners and will be a man's man, but isn't a conservative, right? So <laughs> that's the caveat. You have to be a man's man. You have to be willing to treat her like a woman, meaning you acknowledge her as a woman, not as uh, whatever her preferred pro pronoun of the day is. Uh, but you can't yourself have your own, you know, uh, fluid pronouns. You've got to be a man's man. So she's looking for a man, and she's saying she's having a hard time finding a man that isn't conservative. I take it as a compliment, but I think it's also ridiculously funny. Uh, so we'll talk about that momentarily. I want to get into that. I also wanted to talk about um, central bank digital currency, right? That's something that we're going to get into where the federal government is experimenting with creating a digital dollar that they can control and they can turn off and they can sanction you with kind of like they do in um, China with the big brother system they have there where if they don't like certain things you've said, they can prevent uh, where you travel to. They could allow you to just travel a certain way or a certain distance. They could turn your money off because it's digital. This, I think, is one of the craziest and scariest things I've ever heard. And I pray that all Americans learn what it is and fight it tooth and nail that it never happens and discourage every politician from even thinking about it. Uh, plus, we talked about China earlier. We've talked about AI, artificial intelligence, in a number of capacities. And we talked about housing illegal immigrants in your home uh, for uh, a couple of bucks from the government. So that's what's on the table, plus anything that you want to add to the conversation. Again, give us a call, 833-4-VALDEZ, 833, the number 4-VALDEZ. Now, before I get to your calls, I want you 
to go for uh, a quick uh, a quick perusal through your mental Rolodex and and think about what you would do, right? What you would do if you were looking for a mate and your mate was not very conservative or was too conservative but not very manly, right? Listen to this audio. Do you want to know one of the saddest realizations I recently had? Was that as a liberal woman, it is really hard to find a man who is willing to play the more traditional masculine role in the relationship in today's day and age. Who is not a conservative? A man who wants to pay on the first date, who wants to open your door, who has that want and desire to take care of you and to provide. Who is not a conservative? And obviously, as a liberal woman, I do want to be respected for my independence. And I do want to have my own autonomy in the relationship and not be confined or conformed to the traditional female homemaker, childbearing role. And most of the men that I've dated who do have that more natural provider masculinity about them are normally conservative. So I don't really know what to do because I don't want to compromise my morals and values just to find a man. But am I asking to have my cake and eat it too? You know, I don't know how to answer that in English, so I'll say it in Spanish. Tírate pa' acá, que aquí está el macho, right? I am the man. I'm right here. Listen, uh, I think she's ridiculous, but I think it's legitimate, right? There's a lot of women out there that are looking for a real man. The the ridiculous part of it is she is realizing and making the case against uh, what she's actually talking about, that if you want a real man, then get the conservative guy, right? I mean, what what's what's the big deal? Right. Let him have a little beard, a little scruff, a guy that's going to open your door and do the right thing. You know, I don't know. That's what men were supposed to do. And we're coming right back. Your calls are welcome. 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Valdez. That's 833 482 5337. 833 4 Valdez. That's Valdez with an S. All right, America, welcome back. We're going straight to your calls. 833 4 Valdez. 833 482 5337. Let's go to James in Santa Fe, New Mexico. KDGO, go right ahead. Yeah, good evening. How refreshing to hear of Valdez. Uh, this jockey, I guess you would call you. And uh, I guess you're in Washington, D.C. Yeah, I'm out of New York. Oh, out of New York. Okay, well, that's that's great. Uh, no, yeah, I'm out here in the West, and um, uh, I heard you mention of this lady who was calling, uh, wanting to find a man that'll pay all her expenses when uh, she dates him. I guess. Mm-hmm. Well, I I have a friend here, and she insists that we go Dutch when we go out, and I, I try to you know cover some of the expenses, sometimes dinner or whatever, and she'll say absolutely not if you want to go out with me. You we're going to go Dutch, which I think is very refreshing, you know? Yeah. Well, it's definitely a modern take on things, right? I know as I was a kid and I'm only 45, but, uh, when I was a kid, that was what you did. It was kind of like, Hey, you're a girl. I like you. I, uh, 
I'm going to invite you to dinner somewhere and I'm, I'm going to pay for it. And I'm going to try to impress upon you that, you know, I, I want to, to treat you to this nice dinner. Uh, but yeah, I, I have had those instances of um, women saying, uh, you know, they want to go Dutch or where they insist on paying the bill themselves. And I have to tell you, the machismo that runs strong through my veins and the testosterone that crashes through my cranium, as my buddy Curtis Slevo would say, uh, has always uh, made it a problem for me where I've said, you know, uh, no, 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 you can get it next time. <laughs> you can get it next time. This time I'll pay you pay next time. Uh, because I just, uh, I always felt like, you know, if I went home and told my dad, hey, dad, I went on a date, this girl bought me dinner, that he'd look at me kind of sideways and say, excuse me, uh, but you're right. Um, I'm sure it is very refreshing uh, for, for many people to, to not feel that pressure of having to go to a nice restaurant and dish out 150, 60, uh, you know, $200 on a dinner. And, and, you know, just feel like, am I going to do this every time we go out? So, uh, yeah, very interesting. Is that the, the trend in Santa Fe or are you just the lucky guy that gets to go on Dutch dates? Um, you know, I don't think it's a trend. I think I'm just lucky enough that this, this lady is, uh, willing to do it. And she, she tells me, I won't go out with you if, if you're going to pay all the, you know, everything. And, uh, so I, I, I think like, um, you know, Rush Limbaugh would say sometimes, you know, you know, the, the, the feminists and all that, you know, if they're so feminist, feminine and they want to, uh, I mean, they're not, I'm not saying that they're that feminine, but I'm saying if they want to pay, it's okay because we, we, you know, we, we, and sometimes I'll take turns and I'll say for special occasions, I'll say, no, 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 I'm going to pay it. It's just say, well, okay, just this one time kind of thing, you know, but, uh, I think it is refreshing, and I think a lot of women should realize that nowadays a lot of the women are making even more money than men. Oh, that's a valid point. And you know what, James? I think you've got a T-shirt concept on your hands. If they want to pay, it's okay. <laughs> Thank you, James, for the call. I appreciate it. James in Santa Fe, New Mexico, KDGO. Excellent call. Thank you very much. We're going to get to the rest of your calls on everything from China to the FBI to Trump to illegal aliens. Let's continue. Let's go to Frank. Uh, let's see. Frank is in Evergreen, Montana. KOFI, go right ahead. Hey, <clears throat> good evening. Yes, sir. Is that, or excuse me, good morning, whatever. <clears throat> is this woman from the East Coast? The, the She's woman. from the West Coast. It's, really? Is it originally? Or I don't know. I, 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 like... I just got that from the article. Oh, okay. I... I had an experience with an East Coast woman like that. It was just kind of, um, um, they're different. Um, they want, they don't, they want man boys is what they want. It's just a boy toy. Uh, they're not, uh, a man's man is a, something that's a derogatory term, probably meaning a homosexual, a companion or whatever. Um, Man to a, well, a I man, think when people they, refer to a man's man, they're talking about, you know, a, a steak eating, uh, hunting outdoorsman, tough guy uses his hands a lot type of guy. No. Oh, no, that's a manly man. But no, I mean, uh, she's, she's looking <laughs> for some, some an artificially intelligent uh, pleasure bot, you know, like probably a graduate of Liberty University. Oh, well, Liberty, I think, puts out a lot of manly men uh, from what I've seen. But thank you for your call, Frank. I appreciate it. Hopefully you're not a man's man tonight and you are a manly man. Big shout out to everybody listening on KOFI in Evergreen, Montana. And uh, we continue. 
Let's go to Todd in Atlanta, Georgia, WGKA. Go right ahead, Todd. You're on with Rich Valdez. Hey, Mr. Valdez. Yes, um, about the uh, dilemma of the liberal woman. Uh, I remember Elaine on Seinfeld had that same quandary over a uh, furniture mover (laughs) who was moving a sofa. And she really, you know, was smitten by this guy until she found out he was a conservative. So um, (laughs) I think they just need to... (laughs) You know, you just got to be who you are, and uh, if they can't handle that, that's just, you know, that's too bad. That's the way I, that's the way I handle it. But I wanted to ask you a favor, though. Um, sure. You played that clip of, of AOC with her messaging about, you know, communism and socialism, and mm. maybe you could leave her a, a whisper message and remind her that uh, Fidel Castro died a billionaire and, um, <laughs> you know— <laughs> <laughs> that's a, Field that's of a good Burn, point. Bernie has uh, has multiple lake houses, and uh, Hugo Chavez, his daughter, and I'm sure Maduro's as well are the richest uh, women in Venezuela. So- yeah, you know it's a great point, and you know it's interesting, Todd. Is when I uh, uh, had reached out to her office, and this went on for weeks, and I was calling around on the radio locally in New York at the time, 2019, 2018, and. Uh, when I saw her, I said, oh, I'm actually, you know, I'm going to say, hey, what's going on? We tried to reach out to your office. We're not getting any response here. And, um, you know, I wasn't met with very, um, a very warm reception. But what was really interesting about this is that her communication staff attacked me afterwards, saying that I was stalking her at the parade. And I was saying, no, I was marching in the parade. She was marching in the, in the group right, right, right next to us. Uh, I, I thought it prudent to go and ask her since she hadn't, you know, um, ever gotten back to any of our calls or emails. And and I would imagine if I were to leave her a message whispering and saying, hey, AOC, Fidel died a billionaire. <laughs> I think that they would also figure out a way to put that on me and say that I am uh, trying to um, uh, somehow catcall her <laughs> by saying that all the all of her commie heroes are billionaires. But excellent point and, uh, and not a very funny one as well. So thank you for your call, Todd. I appreciate it. And we're going to get to the rest of your calls uh, straight ahead. I wanted to uh, just remind you that the uh, phone number is 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. And I, I see that we have a number of calls, and we're going to get to you momentarily. It's just too close to the break where I don't want to have to cut you off where as soon as you get rolling on your point and, uh, you know, hey, Rich, thanks for taking the call, blah, blah, blah. Then all of a sudden the music starts to kick in and you get kicked off, right, because it's a hard break, and we, we never like it when that happens. But if you have a quick point, we will definitely go to you. Let's go to Laurie in Colchester, Vermont, WVMT. Laurie, go right ahead. Hi, Rich. Thank you very much. I guess I'm a different kind of woman. Um, my husband and I were just discussing this the other night, and we've always had a situation where even when we were dating, whomever said, let's go out to dinner, paid the bill. So if I said, hey, you want to go out and grab something to eat, he'd say yes, and I'd say, well, I'm paying the bill, I asked. And he got used to that, and he still is. And we've been together like, oh, gosh, 25, 30 years or so. Wow. Well, that, that, that's a long time. That's a lot longer than, than I was married for, that's for sure. Uh, you know, it's, it's interesting, Lori. Um, I, I go to lunch with a buddy of mine uh, or dinner a couple of times a month, once a month, maybe twice. 
the kid I, I've known since sixth grade. And, um, and that's usually how we do it. If I call him, Hey, listen, you want, you want to go uh, for a steak on, on Thursday? Um, you know, I'll pick up the tab. And if he calls me and says, Hey, you want to grab lunch at the Columbian place on Saturday? Then he picks up the tab and, and that's, we, we use a, a similar rule. So I, I think that's uh, it's fair. I mean, you got to figure out what works for you. I know for me, I was always the one picking up the tab. That's just kind of how I was raised to be. But I think once you're married, you got to set some ground rules and say, Hey, look, here's how we're doing this. Excellent point. Laurie in Colchester, Vermont. I appreciate it. Big shout out to everybody on WVMT. And we're going to continue with your calls and more straight ahead. Plus, I want to talk about central bank digital currencies. So we'll get to your calls momentarily. Don't go anywhere. They banned big gulps. I know. And if they did federal currency, if they did FedCoin, then they'd be able to limit like purchases of well, like a big right. gulp, you know, I right? At the press conference, the central bank digital currency, we're banning it in Florida. Now, the corporate press is having an absolute spasm over this because, they, oh, it doesn't exist yet, all this other stuff, which is true. They haven't done it, but Biden's studying it. And what they want to do is they want to have that be kind of the, uh, they want to get rid of crypto, all that stuff. This will be a digital dollar. Then they want to go to a cashless society. Once they're in a cashless society, then they have oversight and could could change uh, or prevent you from spending your money the way you want. And it'd be like a social credit system. The media is like, oh, there's no plan to do that. They wouldn't be allowed to do that. I'm like, when has that ever stopped them? If you think that they could say because of climate change, you can only fill up your car once or twice a week and then the payments wouldn't go through, they absolutely would do that. And, um, I think they found with COVID, they got away with a lot during COVID. Yes. And I think they could get away more. If Congress ever authorized it, that would trump our state law. But I don't think Congress would authorize it. Yeah, we could stop it. You're the only thing that stands in the way of Congress ever authorizing that. And, of course, they're going to test that with or without Congress. Uh, we've already heard uh, Chairman Powell from the Federal Reserve discuss how, um, I think it's called Fed Now. I think that's what it's called they're going to pilot this eventually without even um, any type of congressional approval. So um, I don't know if it'll go beyond a pilot, but it would probably need congressional approval to go beyond that. This is an interesting idea of a real life 1984 big brother scenario where we take one step closer to becoming like China. And I think that's pretty crazy. So I want your thoughts on that. And of course there's a bunch of people on hold and I want to get to you. So we're going to go straight to that. Let's go to Greg. Greg is calling us from Atlantic City, New Jersey on WOND. Greg, welcome. You're on with Rich Valdez. Go right ahead. Good morning, Mr. Valdez. Great show. Thank you, sir. I appreciate uh, first, that. First, I would like to, like to, well, as far as the money, um, if they plan on voting for it, and that's another question to candidates. Right. Or what their feelings are on changing currencies and if they intend to do that goodbye is a good start 
Yeah, right. A litmus test on candidates should be the first thing. And forget about your party. Do you support a central bank digital currency, a CBDC? If you do, you're out of here. I think that's an excellent idea, Greg. Um, now, what are your thoughts on China overall? China is going to eat itself. It will consume itself. They're collectors. Once they've hit the point of that's no more they can possibly collect, that's when it just starts to dissolve. And that will happen. You what makes you think 5, that, that that would happen? What do you mean, collecting debt? Or what are you referring to? In other words, they collect everything. That's why they were here. And the way they purchased from inventors, they put the, bought the product, the development, the research, everything. And then and they, they steal it. They do that, too. Items. They sell it, basically. Yeah, well, that's what they're doing now. You know, they're, they're building off land or off uh, continents their own little world. Yeah, I don't know if I share your optimism there. I hope you're right for all of our sakes. Greg, uh, giving us a call from Atlantic City, New Jersey. Thanks again for the call. Hope you'll call back again soon. Big shout out to everybody listening on WOND. I want to continue here uh, because um, I think that's important. Let me see. Where was I going? Who was next on the list here? We've got Steve in Cleveland. W-E-O-L. Steve, go right ahead. It's easy listening of the night. How are you, Rich? <laughs> How are you, Steve? Welcome. Real good. Hey, uh, last caller there. Uh, want to do three quick things. The last caller, this is what I tell people. It's the best way to understand it. You and me got an idea, and we got a product, and we're going to put it together for about 80 bucks an hour. And uh, made in the USA. But China can do it for 15 bucks an hour. So we really don't want to go that route, so we'll come up with some kind of deal and China can put it together, but then we'll assemble it in the USA. And your most productive car that's assembled in the USA used to be a Cadillac, and it was about 47%. But you have all your um, information and your products now in China. Who owns that product, you or China? Yeah, good point. China. Now, you know, I will tell you, I, I bought a Ford years ago. I bought a bunch of Fords years ago, but uh, I remember buying one, a brand new one. And when I peeled the window sticker off, you know, I bought it because I was super proud to buy American. And when I peeled the window sticker off, I remember looking at the price and all of the, you know, all of the features of the car. And then it said engine made uh, or assembled in um, France and transmission, I believe, came from Germany. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm here thinking I'm driving some American equipment. And that wasn't the case. Now, um, just today, I have a Cadillac now. And I was closing the door and I saw this little emblem on the door. And I forget which state. I want to say New Mexico, believe it or not. It wasn't Michigan. Uh, but it said proudly made in. And I think it said New Mexico. And I thought that's pretty cool that GM is building cars uh, wherever. If it's not New Mexico, I'll double check. But it was a state here. And I thought, man, that's awesome that they're actually building American cars in America. Because I thought, you know, they would kind of gotten away from that. But uh, interesting that you would bring that up, Steve. The other thing was Trump is indicted because they got the goods on Biden and his son. But they got the. Oh, what do they call it? The shell companies everywhere, and they're out oh, staying yeah. now. That oh, it's going to take at least ten years to find all that. So, but 
let's put it together now, but we're going to give it to you in Florida or whatever. But Trump has the receipts, and the reason they did Mar-a-Lago is, is because all those people knew he had all the information of all of them and what they did. And if they didn't get it back, Trump was going to keep it. And if he had a chance to get in there, he was going to use it. And last thing is, is when everybody looks at what's going on right now, socialism is just slowly just soaking into the the seams of this country and people mm-hmm. don't use it. Her name is, I don't want to blow this one, Kitty, um, oh darn, Kitty, uh, Worthman, W-O-R-T-H-M-A-N-N, Kitty Kitty Worthman. But she is on YouTube a little bit. If people go and listen to it, they got a three and a half minute bit just about the gun rights. We'll check it out, Steve. I appreciate it. I hate to do plugs, especially from people I don't know, because, you know, six and a half million people listening, and I've never heard of this woman, but I'll check it out. And um, if you ever have something like that, just let the call screener know, and we'll check it out before we talk about it on the air. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it, my brother. Big shout out to everybody listening on WEOL. Let us continue. Uh, Let's go. Where are we going here? We just talked to Steve over there. There's another Steve that's uh, in Atlanta, Georgia. Steve in Atlanta. Go right ahead. Thanks for taking my call. I appreciate it. My pleasure. All right. I guess it was not a pleasure enough. Thank you, Steve. (laughs) It was my hair. It scared him away. All right. Anyway, we're going to pause right here. We'll come back to the rest of your calls on all of the topics we're discussing. Let me give you the phone number 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Well, thank you, Rich, and thank you for everything. I know you very well, and I have I listen, but I have a lot of people that listen, and they love your show, and I appreciate it very much. America at Night with Rich Valdez. So the FBI finally showed their document revealing uh, the Burisma bribery scheme and alleges that $5 million were paid to each of the Biden family members. Vice President, then Vice President Joe Biden, allegedly received a hefty $5 million payout from an executive at Burisma Holdings, a natural gas firm in Ukraine. Sources familiar with the contents of the now notorious FBI-generated June 30 memo, the FD-23, 1023, excuse me, um, now say that each member of the family or five members of the family uh, received such bribes. I guess it was a bigger bribe. I see that the calls are continuing to come in. We're going to get to those calls momentarily and let us continue. Um, I think we got Steve back. Steve, it was the deep state after your phone, after all. Go right ahead. Hey, thanks. It's, uh, I don't know how that happened. Um, but so I, I, um, on the old topic, just just prior to this one and the one before, um, we were about men and women dating and and someone wants to buy the meal. Um, of course, if you were a female who wanted a, a a guy who might be out of your league, or if you were a guy who wanted a girl out of out of your league, you you're going to probably want to buy it, right? To to create some sort of influence. Hey, I have this to offer. You have that to offer. A girl might do the same thing, 
And so I have no issue with that whatsoever, but just know what you're getting into, right? And that guy who said he was married for 28 years or whatever it was, good for him. He got a girl who knew he was that she was out of his league, right? And she she managed to trick him, and, and thankfully so <laughs> for him and her. They got married and all ended up happily ever after. That's all good. It sounds good to me, Steve. I appreciate it. And you know what? I think, I think yeah, you're right. I mean, when it comes to this stuff, everybody's right because it's your life and you got to figure out how you're going to do it. And uh, for me, listen, if there are any women out there that um, are interested in me and want to take me out on expensive dinners, I'm not going to stop you. I, as much as it bothers me, I do. Uh, I, I think I might say yes. So, Steve, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Uh, big shout out to everybody in Atlanta on WGKA. Hot Atlanta, the A. Uh, let us go to Sue in Shanksville, Pennsylvania, WXDE. Sue, go right ahead. Hey, so that was a very funny story. Uh, I thought it was hysterical, the whole thing about the progress- progressive and, and, and conservative thing. But since everybody uh-huh. seems to be picking the buying dinner part of this thing, I have some thoughts about that. And, and you know, traditionally, you know, there's been a power differential between men and women because men have traditionally made more money than women. And I think that one of the reasons that women, modern women who have good jobs or whatever, want to pay for dinner or go Dutch is because they want to establish that they are an equal in the relationship right from the get-go. Now, I'm going to push back here, Sue. Do you think they're trying to establish that they're an equal? Are they trying to establish dominance? Are they trying to lift their leg and mark territory on my fire hydrant? Sue. I don't think so. I, I think also by establishing that they're an equal in the relationship, that there shouldn't be any assumption of a happy ending on the part of a guy because he paid for dinner type thing. You know what I'm saying? Interesting. Yeah. You know what? Uh, it could be, you know, in my, in my free time, I try to get my mind off of politics and, and the crazy news of the day. So I watch mindless television, typically reality shows with, with no rhyme or reason to them. The Jersey shore. I love it. Um, it's so funny. Another one I watch love and hip hop Miami. What crazy show. And in one of the shows, one of the characters uh, got in trouble in real life for getting into an altercation. He'd paid for several young ladies to come into a nightclub where he wanted to entertain them and buy them drinks and whatnot. And I guess they went inside and met other guys and didn't um, hang out with him after he paid for them to get in. And when he was leaving, he shared, you know, his disdain with them. Uh, And the girl gave a pretty nasty remark and I think tried to, to... to push him away and he grabbed her hand and then he got in trouble for grabbing her hand. It was a big deal. He ended up losing a radio show that he had. It was a big thing. But my point in all of that is that, yeah, I guess uh, there is that dynamic and that that does still exist in one way or another. So it's a point that I I didn't see. Thank you, Sue. I appreciate it. Big shout out to everybody in PA on uh, WXDE as well. Uh, Let me see. Do I pause here? Do I go for, let's go for one more. Let's see. Bob in Pendleton, Oregon on KUMA. Bob, go right ahead. Um, yeah, concerning the um the between the women and, and men and such, I think she's forgetting the whole other side of that in the fact that um the men are also doing the evaluating. And for example, I mean, before I was married years ago, I dated some late some young ladies that uh, were offended when I opened the car door for them or walked on the outside of the street. And really, you know, I think we forget that a lot of times the guys are looking for a strong woman, but is willing to accept the respect from the man. Excellent point. I agree. 
I, I, whenever I open my kid, my kids, you know, I have two girls. I, uh, every now and again, not every single time, but whenever I remember and whenever I can, and it's, it's convenient, <laughs> I'll try to open the door for them. And, and, you know, and for women in general, I, I try to be as, as chivalrous as I can be. And, and I don't do it because I think their arm is broken or they can't lift the door on their own. You know, uh, I believe they're very strong. I mean, women give birth to babies. You know, I could not imagine giving birth to a child. So I, I don't see women as weak in any way. In reality, I guess I, I see women as, as so beautiful and special and awesome that I think, you know, you are deserving of me to open a door for you. So, yeah, excellent point that you bring up. I think you're spot on there, Bob. Thank you. Yeah, you bet. Thanks for the call, by the way. And big shout out to everybody in Pendleton, Oregon, listening on KUMA. We're going to continue our journey across the country, back and forth, up and down, straight through the middle and back again with your phone calls, 833-482-5337. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, we're doing the speed round here. We're going to go to Michigan, Montana, and Missouri in under three minutes. Let's go to Kim Shields, Michigan, listening on KDKA Online. Go right ahead. Hi, Rich. Hey, in Kim. regards to um, uh, soy boys are real men, two real men are President Trump and Hank Williams Jr. Back <laughs> to what I called about. Um, these, uh, this plan that Eric Adams has about, uh, bring a illegal to your house for $65 a day. Um, these people are coming, these illegal aliens are coming in with a lot of bad diseases, scabies, hepatitis, leprosy, TB, AIDS, fleas, um, just to name a few. And uh, these people that bring them in are... Um, they're going to find that they're very entitled, very demanding, and, and ingrates. And also, if they bring now, where, where up, are you getting that information from? The entitled, demanding, and and feeling like ingrates. Because I'll give you an example: that hotel where they were putting them up, the people yeah. were complaining because they were getting food every day and saying they were being starved and that they wanted real food. And then when they took them out of another hotel and wanted to take them to like a a big enclosed area with cots, they kind of rioted. That's what I mean. Yeah, well, I've seen the clip you're talking about, and I I, I have to agree. I, I remember making fun of that, going, "Wow, they have like a union rep and everything representing their their cause here." And they were balking at the fact that they were leaving a hotel in Manhattan and going to like a shelter. But that part, yeah, and that particular group, I would say, uh, definitely reacted that way and uh, seemed very entitled. But I don't know if that's true by and large of all of them. But interesting point. Thank you, Kim, for the call. I appreciate it. Let us go to Harry Lake of the Ozarks, Missouri. K R M S. Go right ahead, Harry. Uh, shout out to the audience. They need to take, uh, think about this. Yeah. Who made the statement? We will destroy you from within. Huh? Now I'm going to say, cause I've read this several times. Um, it may, it may be wrong, but this is my guess that this is from 
a speech given by I forget which congressperson into the congressional record back in the 1950s, and he was citing Nikita Khrushchev. Am I right? That is correct. It was Nikita Khrushchev that originally made the statement. Outstanding. Good job to me. Um, don't let me break my arm patting myself on the back. And you're, and you're right. And that, let me tell you, that, that there's like 50 reasons or 59 reasons why uh, they cite that in the congressional record. It's very uh, worth your while to read it because if you're um, a Red Scare um, de- demagogue like I am, <laughs> you're, you'll believe that there's a lot of communism going on in this country uh, more than meets the eye. Thank you very much for your call. Big shout out to you. And I want to give a shout out to Phil in Butte, Montana on KXLT, uh, who patiently waited for a bit, but we couldn't get to you in time. Phil, have a great weekend. Call us back. And I do believe that there'll be some conflict with China uh, and Taiwan. I just don't know when. Anyway, take care. Good night and God bless. I am Rich Valdez. We're going to do it all again on Monday. Hasta la próxima. Keep it locked on this station. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.